Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'll watch Black Superman. I just want it to be a good movie. I don't know why this is a thing. Behind Warner Brothers' search for a black Superman. That's the story from The Hollywood Reporter. After enlisting Tanishi Coates to write the latest feature of this, on the superhero, the studio is searching for its director and star as it kickstarts the next phase of its DC universe. The DC universe is going to move forward by being super woke. I mean, if, you, if you're hiring Tanisha Coates, I mean, that's what you're going to get. But let's start with the basics. The basic idea that in today's America, we somehow care whether our superheroes are white or black. We do not. There might be some people who care, and an argument could be made for that it could be for a segment of America very cool to see a black Superman. Okay, I'll buy into that. But I would more buy into the idea that what people want to see in terms of a Superman movie is, wait for it, a good Superman. What they want is a good Superman movie. And outside of the late, great Christopher Reeve, I don't think you have one. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the phone number 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You have any issue with Black Superman? (laughs) What a dumb question. I apologize. Don't even call in to answer. All right, call in to answer that question, whatever. Because it's so silly. But it's silly for a lot of people who don't look at anything in this way. It's not so much silly for somebody who has seen a litany of superheroes and they're they're all superheroes. One thing you can say about superheroes, when they're a superhero of a name like Batman, Aquaman, um, there's, there's uh, there's no descriptor. But it, when growing up, and for those people who watched uh, the Hall of Justice there, the Justice League, the Super Friends, it was Black Falcon. Uh, if you watch uh, um, the, the, the new uh, shows from DC, it's Black Lightning. It's Black Panther. And you could say, just as a, as a curiosity, huh, that's interesting. You can say that. But when it comes to Superman, the issue is not whether he's white or whether he's black. The issue, of course, is that as a superhero, he's terrible. Producer Ari is is our superhero resident in chief, and it is an easy argument to make twofold. Let's start with the first part. As a superhero, he is the worst because if you have no weaknesses, what's the real problem? You have to be clear when you say the worst, you mean he's the worst to try to relate with. Not like his powers are fine and all. It's just how are you possibly supposed to relate to a character who can't be hurt and is stronger than everyone by a million and is just like a god? 
That's exactly the point. Where is the characteristic that makes him connectable? Tony Stark does connect to us, right? As as, as Iron Man, sure he's rich and and and, and sure he's a, he's a technological uh, wizard, but he's still you know he's still human. He he's can flawed. still be killed, as we know. Yeah, he has flaws. That's what we like. right. Uh, these th- even Doctor Strange. Right? Doctor Strange had to give up who he was to become who he is. And even in doing that, he had to give up even more. There, there was a sacrifice there. With, with Superman, there's, there's, no, there, there, there's nothing there. And here comes the part two. All the Superman movies are terrible. I watched Superman versus Batman. Did you watch Superman versus Batman? Many times. What do you mean many times? Oh, like I saw it in theaters and then like when it was on TV, like I turned I turned it on, yeah. Okay. That movie is so bad. I've come around on it a little bit. You're the you're the worst kind of person. You are just that movie is so bad, my family and I are still trying to find that time back. Like like we know that's lost to the ether. It was a great Batman movie trapped inside a boring Superman movie. <laughs> It was a bad movie. And I'm not... Ben Affleck as Batman doesn't do it for me. Oh, he was great. Oh, no. Nah. I, I can't say that he was terrible, but it just didn't do it for me. Then again, I'm a Michael Keaton Batman guy. Michael Keaton Batman. There, there is, is there any question? Yes. What? Christian Bale is my Batman. Well, see, again, you're terrible. But no one cares if Superman's black, right? Right? Like, that does, that's not going to make me say, well, the whole premise of, of Superman is now lost. That's, that's not there. But the premise of Superman is lost if Tanishi Coates is writing the script. Now, who's Tanishi Coates? Tanishi Coates is an author and has gained a lot of fame and, and, and a lot of clamor. Oh, people love Tanishi Coates, a genius, I tell you. I can't tell you if he is or he isn't, and I don't think I'm the best person to be able to tell you whether or not his writing is top-notch. But I can say to you uh, as, as follows. Do you want to watch a movie written by a guy who says things like this? When people who are not black are interested in what I do, frankly, I'm always surprised, Coates said. I don't know if it's my low expectation for white people or what. Now, if that line was uttered by a white writer, they would have no chance of writing this movie. None. So why is Tanishi Coates given this chance? Why is Tanishi Coates the person you're thrilled to have on your, 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 your team? This is a bigger conversation than just the idea of Superman. And I start from the beginning. There may be someone out there who's like, wow, that's cool. One of the lines that always stuck with me, uh, Leslie Jones, uh, comic uh, from Saturday Night Live, who does make me laugh. She makes me laugh out loud. Um, She was once on The View, and the line that she used was the first time she ever saw Whoopi Goldberg on TV, she turned to her mother, Leslie Jones is black, Whoopi Goldberg, if you didn't know, is black, and she turned to her mother and she said, look, somebody looks like me. I gotta believe that there is something to that, that that's, that's gotta be a profound moment. 
right? You see all these people on TV and you know they're different than you. That's not a bad thing. But it's got to, to, to an extent, feel good when someone does look like you. I got to assume that that's real. And I don't think that that's somehow buying in to, to, to some level of wokeness, but rather it's, it's, a, it's a recognition that people might see things differently. It's much different than what is happening on social media right now with the hottest hot take out there. Oh, hot, 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 That's hot. There's this woman on social media who, I don't know. I, I have no idea who she is. I, I came to, to learn who she is when... Um, I saw uh, that she had tweeted out back uh, uh, just a few days ago. If you honestly think the worst thing that could happen to someone is their kids doing sex work, you are the problem. Well, that's a that's a position. That's a position. I have no problem with legalized prostitution, but that's between adults who are acting of their own free will and volition. Adults engaged in contract, I have zero issue with. But if we're talking about kids in any way, shape, or form, and you say things, you say this, you know, is their kids doing sex work? If you honestly think the worst thing that could happen to someone is their kids doing sex work, you are the problem. I don't know if she meant kids, but it's still creepy enough. That's how, that's how I was introduced to this person. And then she had a new hot take. I'm watching the Boondocks. Now, the Boondocks is a, is a cartoon. Black family, crazy situations, right? I'm not an expert on the Boondocks. I'm watching the boondocks for the first time and I have feelings. I understand the viewer is supposed to laugh at some of these characters, but I must say it feels gross as an exceedingly melanin deficient person to laugh at black characters. Translation, I'm white and if I laugh at black people, I'm a bad person. Oh, we've hit a whole new level of crazy people. We've hit a whole new level of what the hell in the world is this? And people respond like, what, what, is, what is wrong with you? Someone responded, I find Dave Chappelle to be the funniest person on the planet, so I guess that makes me a grand wizard or something. People watch The Simpsons, and they're yellow. And I laugh. And she responded that she got these tweets, mostly defending white people laughing at black characters. Can you imagine that being your cause? Here is the great example of how we need to be rational and break things down in a proper way. It is clearly possible, if not wholly probable, that someone who is black could take a look at a superhero being cast with a a black actor and be like, cool. And maybe gives them, turns some people on, gives them a different look at the character, all those kinds of things. It's very, very possible. And it's clear if we take a look at 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 uh, at um, 
comic at, at these at these superheroes, very often we see black as the descriptor, as opposed to I, I think was Green Lantern black. One of them was. One of them was right, but it's usually Black Falcon, right? The the Black Lightning, those kinds of things. So I think that it doesn't cost us anything as, as a society to note that someone might see that differently and be like, okay, cool. But if now Black Superman says something funny, am I allowed to laugh at the character? Do you see the, where that clear divergence is? From, okay, I could see someone thinking that's very cool, to, okay, that's nuts. This is the, the place where people have to take a breath and a beat, right? You don't have to know me very long to know that I oppose anti-racism and I oppose critical race theory. And I talk about it often and I take to task school districts often and I explain the issues and the problems and what happens. Anti-racism and critical race theory bring people down, they don't bring people up. That's what happens. If you take a look at, at, at pieces like uh, by Chloe Valdari, Chloe Valdari is the founder of Theory of Enchantment and wrote this really excellent piece on the very concepts of systemic racism. And, and her point uh, to, to this little piece that she wrote was to the idea that perhaps for this reason alone, it is worth considering the limitations in using the metaphor of a mechanical system to describe racism, since racism becomes more likely when we are cold and mechanical, machine-like, numb to the conundrum of our own lives and those around us. If we want to combat the scourge of prejudice, we ought to commit to reversing this process and take responsibility for the beauty of our own lives, both its tragedies and its joys. When Whitey McWhiterson over here on Twitter says it's wrong to laugh at a black character, it makes me feel weird. That's not creating a, a, a place of joy. It's creating a place of misery. Valdery quotes uh, James Baldwin uh, in, in, in this piece and talks about the, the, the destruction that people feel. If you were somebody who was living in this Jim Crow South and thought it okay to just go about killing black people because the law said that you can't even treat them humanely, well, what spiritual nature, what soul do you actually have? She writes, spiritual desiccation had taken over American life and this poverty drove white citizens to overcompensate by beating and murdering those who were different from them. Now, it wasn't all white citizens. It was white citizens who were, part who were practitioners where Jim Crow laws were. But in that, rev in, in that same sense, isn't that what's happening? You're wrong for laughing at a black character? If I, if I watch... The Jeffersons. A am, am I wrong? A am I wrong to laugh if I watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? If I watch Good Times? From Television City in Hollywood. I love Good Times. Good Times was an incredible show. Sometimes made you think and sometimes made you laugh. The commentary, the discussions. 
I could watch Esther Roll all day. Dynamite, and my gosh, Michael, why are you so militant? And can we give it up for James? Staring at us down in heaven. Good man. They don't make men like James anymore. We're not supposed to laugh at this? Spiritual desiccation is a really good line. Because that's what these people are in. You don't expect white people to read your stuff because you have low expectations of them. You've also lost joy and your soul. Just got to be able to break these things down as they are, guys. I'm Tony Katz. Chlorine shortage. Now, every time I hear shortage, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this real? Remember, we were told that there was a ketchup shortage by Heinz, and then the people at Red Gold Ketchup said, yeah, we're good. We got ketchup. You want ketchup? We'll send you ketchup. We got ketchup to spare at Red Gold. Right? So so you never know what we've heard about. Beef shortages, and of course, we did have uh, the toilet paper shortage, but maybe because of the hoarding and other things, but chlorine. Well, there was a fire at a plant in Louisiana, a chemical plant, and they're saying that this is resulting in a higher price of sanitizing tablets. So, for example, in one uh, parks district, they have 10 pools they're, they're going to open, eight outdoor, two indoor. So they have 35,000 gallons of liquid chlorine. And uh, in 2019, that cost them about $47,000. And uh, this year, it's going to cost $64,000. Now, supply and demand is real. So it's possible. If you're having any kind of construction done in your home, you know this. You know that the the price of wood, my gosh, through the roof. So is this the case? Is this happening? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure if this is the case yet. Although it's possible it's absolutely possible so if you hear anything about this about a chlorine shortage if you're in like the pool business let me know i'd love to hear about it certainly what there is is a shortage of workers oh we got to get into that we got to get into this shortage that you talk to business owners this is just getting crazy Facebook Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. Let's go, girls. Now they're after the guys on motorcycles. Sturgis, the Great Motorcycle Rally. Well, that was going to be a super spreader event of COVID. What say you, Governor Christy Nome? What do you want people to know about the Sturgis Rally in August? 
Well, that the media lied about the event. Uh, for a year, they've labeled it as a super spreader. That was not true. We continuously pushed back, and I'm glad that some of those facts are coming to light today. They're always not telling the truth about these super spreader events. Tony Katz, it's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Constantly and consistently. That's where this whole mask thing comes into play. This uh, Did you not hear this? This is Dr. Rochelle Walensky. I sometimes call her Rachel. Uh, or, or, or what do I call her? I think I call her Rachel sometimes. It's Rochelle. My apologies. And she's doing an interview on CNN and saying 10-year-olds playing soccer outdoors got to wear masks. I think that we saw last summer that there were outbreaks in summer camps and the kids um, had to go home. They had to um, to not attend these summer camps. We're trying to make it possible for these kids to be able to have as normal of a summer as possible. If people are playing tennis and they're they're far away, we can rec- we can say that their masks can come off. But if they're crowded on a soccer field, they're on top of each other, they're heavily breathing. We don't really think that's a good idea right now. These are kids who likely will not be vaccinated. Well, okay. Have we, we've lost it, right? Outdoors, ten-year-olds, masks. Again, the idea of super spreaders. And to to uh, CNN's credit, John Berman, who is still the host of of the morning show until he gets let go, right? Alison Camarota lost the gig a month ago. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know. They, they put, a, I guess, Brianna Keeler in there and they moved her to afternoons. He asked, I think, the right question. I mean, but doesn't the science say that you're so much less likely to pass it outside at this point? And, and doesn't the, the advantage of kids being able to do things, more things, doesn't that outweigh the very low risk? Um, so, you know, I think not all outside is is um, the same. So outside playing tennis, outside um, swimming, all of those things where you're far apart from one another. If you have a group of 10 year olds crowded trying to get over a soccer ball and they're all breathing heavily, I think you need to wear a mask because, yes, you mm-hmm. there's decreased um, infection risk outside. But if you're all breathing heavily on top of a singular soccer ball um, that has the potential and we've seen a lot of outbreaks associated with youth sports. Tell me the parents who are going to tell their kids to wear a mask while they play soccer. I got to tell you, I think parents are now to the place where they're telling their kids, you know what, don't even wear a mask in school. Teacher has a problem with it, tell them to call me. We're done. And I have never been anti-mask. I have never understood anti-mask. A mask, by definition, stops something. What we have proven... I would say is that masks do not stop COVID. I don't think they have it. We've talked to Phil Kirpin, not a doctor, Phil Kirpin, but he he is able to go through the numbers incredibly with with incredible efficiency. And the differential in terms of rates is, is what half a percent for half a percent. You tell kids they have to wear masks all days. That's 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 radical. That is radical and horrible and worthless and no way to treat people. No way to treat people whatsoever. So yes, we should be looking at our kids, or I should should say it this way, I won't be surprised if parents are looking at their kids and saying, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is just, 
this, this, this is just silly already. The mask, the don't wear a mask, the wear a mask, the double mask. Joe Biden takes a picture with Rosalind Carter, who must be 100 years old herself, small and frail, no mask. But when he's outdoors next to his wife, who is also vaccinated, mask. I mean, this, this, this is theater. This is really bad dinner theater, and never once have I gotten butter from my rolls. I mean, that's the worst kind of dinner theater, where you don't even get the butter. But please, there are a lot of people playing a lot of these kinds of horrific games, these kinds of nonsense statements, and one of them is Kurt Bardella. Now, Kurt Bardella started as a guy who was with Breitbart. And then he left Breitbart, and now he's a, I don't, I don't know, he's a proud liberal or he's a whatever, whatever he is. He is on Joy Reid's show on MSNBC. I need you, if you're driving, to keep your hands on 10 and 2. Oh, I'm serious. This is one of those clips that you need to get ready for. It's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Because what he does is despicable. And that it is not met with a any bit of of response from Joy Reid. She's despicable. I warned you. I warned you. And it's really it's really something hearing those comments from President George W. Bush. I've been thinking to myself this whole time, you know, Al Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, the Taliban, the people who wanted to do harm to our nation and to our way of life and our democracy. They got nothing on what this Republican Party is doing. The idea. Let's just take a moment. Everyone take a breath. Everybody try not to lose your mind. It's gonna be it's gonna be all right, okay? Let it out. Get it out. There you go. Not even supposed to be here today. I hear you. Do you know how ignorant you have to be to make that statement? Al Qaeda has got nothing wrong nothing on the Republican Party. Kurt Bardella's a fool. Kurt Bardella is an ugly person. And Kurt Bardella says things to get on MSNBC. And you're Joy Reid and you're just going to sit there. I mean, that's just, uh, on both sides, that's just some bigotry. But this is where we're at in, 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 in creating the, 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 the absolute levels of hate and creating the absolute levels of fear. Ten-year-olds should wear masks outside when they're playing soccer. And the Republican Party is worse than the terrorists. There was this this... this uh, police officer in New Jersey. She was fired over calling Black Lives Matter protesters terrorists. Hopewell Township in New Jersey. She's the first female sergeant in the department, and she tweeted about, or posted on Facebook about how her kids were crying when she was leaving for work, telling her not to go. And um, uh, she sees all these Black Lives Matter hashtags, you know, in these posts. Just to let you know, she writes, they are terrorists. They hate me. They hate my uniform. They don't care if I die. Now, that happens to be true if we're talking about the organization, if we're talking about Antifa. It might not be true of every person who does hashtag Black Lives Matter. 
But for calling them terrorists, she was fired. Now, there's a lawsuit, and I, I would assume she's going to get reinstated. That's my take, that she's going to get reinstated. But Kurt Bardella calls the entirety of the Republican Party, black and white, and Asian and Hispanic, and gay and straight, and Christian and Jewish and Muslim. Republican Party's a big tent, and calls them terrorists. The host doesn't even respond, and he will get invited back. The cop, noting that Black Lives Matter as an organization has indeed terrorized people, across the country, whether they be cops or whether they be citizens, and she's fired. I, I don't know. You decide. You figure out how it's going to work. You figure out how that all is supposed to get understood. How we're supposed to put up with this level of despicableness. Now, there's a whole conversation about should uh, should uh, the, the the cop be posting things on on Facebook, and I'll, I'll get I'll get into that. But here is a grown man referring to an entire political party as terrorists. We are a long way from good times, guys. So, can I recommend if 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 you, you don't mind? Can I recommend? the peach crown royal all right so here here here's the story because i'm about to try it like not 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 on the show i, I I'm, I'm about to try it for for eat drink smoke you know i do this a show about cigar and bourbon and reviews love it love it we're growing it it's so cool just there's more to do well this this crown royal right there's a caramel apple or, or salted caramel crown royal which is actually pretty good it comes around uh, during the holidays right like christmas time well they came out with this crown royal peach and you can't find it. According to the sources, you cannot find it anywhere. It's just nowhere to be found. Super, super rare. Except for the fact that my wife called me from the store the other day and she's like, hey, Crown Royal Peach, how many bottles do you want? I was like, let's just start with one and work our way up. So it's very, very uh, hard to find. But supposedly, you you don't just put it on, on the rocks there, producer Ari. It's not what you do. You don't you don't take a shot. You take uh, an ounce and a half, you put it into your glass with ice, tall glass, and then you fill the rest with iced tea. And according to the sources, it makes an absolutely incredible, spectacular, amazing peach tea. Like the best you've ever had in your entire life. And that's what people are using it for. And and they, oh, it's just, it's just selling off the shelves. I'm trying it today. So I I will have I will have the answer for you on Monday. I won't even share it with you tomorrow. I'll have the answer for you on Monday. Right? But if you've had the Crown Royal Peach, let me know on Twitter at Tony Katz, would you please? And if you're drinking uh, the, the peach there with, with the iced tea, you know what that means. You're getting ready for a backyard grill out. And it's, there's no such thing as a backyard grill out without Omaha Steaks. OmahaSteaks.com. Keyword Tony in the search bar. That's what you want to do. And that's where you're going to get the deals. Like the Let's Go Grill package. That's four butcher's cut filet mignons, four boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa 
pasta sausages. Then you've got the sides with the scalloped potatoes, the desserts with the caramel apple tartlets, and 12 Omaha Steaks burgers for free. And you'll also get $20 off your first order. That's almost four pounds of free burgers. This is the Let's Go Grill package from Omaha Steaks since 1917, people. Making sure you eat good. You got to check them out for yourself. OmahaSteaks.com. Use the code Tony in the search bar. Just put T-O-N-Y in the search bar. You're good to go. And you're going to get the 12 free Omaha Steaks burgers and $20 off at checkout on your first order. That's Omaha Steaks.com keyword Tony. So, yeah, lots of businesses all across the country having trouble hiring. And it turns out President Biden is aware of it. I, I I assume from this. America is getting vaccinated. Job creation is soaring. The economy is growing and our country is on the move again. But some of the parts of, the, of our economy need special help. At the top of that list is our nation's restaurants. When COVID-19 pandemic struck, our nation's restaurants were some of the first hit and the worst hit. In 2020, more than 2,300, excuse me, 2.3 million, 2. million restaurants jobs disappeared. 2.3 million restaurant jobs disappeared. Restaurants are more than a major driver of our economy. They're woven in the fabric of our communities. Now, that happens to be true, and they are a major driver of our economy. But the reason why they haven't come back is because you, in your infinite wisdom, decided what we should do is extend unemployment benefits. The people who pushed the the extension of unemployment benefits are the reason restaurateurs are in such a hard place. And they're dealing with something else, which is really important to fight against. People walk into a restaurant, their favorite bar and grill, whatever the place may be. And they see open tables. And they're like, yeah, we'll take that table right there. I'm sorry, that section's closed. Why? Well, the reason why is they don't have the staff, guys. They don't have the servers. They don't have the hosts. They don't have the bartenders. They don't have the cooks. So when you say to them, we'll just hire some people. Well, the people aren't out there. You ask anyone anywhere, whether it be in restaurants, whether it be construction, whether it be in retail, the people aren't there. They're not coming back to work. Not yet. Not until they're forced to. You gave them an out. And people took the out. And then what's happening, and this is certainly true of restaurants, people walking in are getting angry. How dare you not be able to seat me? You're going to lose me as a customer. And they're yelling at the hostess who's making $7.50 an hour. What are you yelling at anybody for? What are you yelling at anybody for? Now, I have never actually witnessed this, but I've heard enough stories. It's clearly happening. You start yelling at people because they're not seating you? You shouldn't be seated. You shouldn't be allowed out in public. Maybe you're the one who needs to be quarantined. You're going to yell at, at the manager for not, for what, not, not, not getting you taken care of fast enough? 
they're smart to leave the sections closed because if they seat everybody like it's normal and it's not normal, you will be waiting for hours. You'll be waiting for hours. And then you'll have a miserable experience and then you'll get mad at the restaurant again. They're in this rock and hard place. They are in this difficult situation and for them, it's a conversation of survival. It is a conversation of whether or not they can keep things going. So they run the risk of, of, of insulting you, I guess, meaning the, the customer, and not having you back, or serving you uh, poorly and not having you back, or making you wait and not having you back. Maybe the people who are going out to eat need to take, need to take a breath and be like, okay, they're not ready yet. I don't have to get angry with them. I don't have to scream about them. I don't have to scream at somebody who it's not their fault. People need to get themselves under control and take a breath and not be crazy. I know, I know. It's easier. Than, it should be pretty easy, right? It should be like a simple thing. Not right now. This is Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio.